You guys heard that before? I want what I want, when I want, with who I want it. And if you haven't heard it before, if you don't know that that philosophy exists, it does. And just ask uh, maybe your neighbor, uh, your spouse, or your kids if they pick that up from school. Now, we are not knuckle-dragging trigolodytes here in this country, so we put a little sophistication in it, and we say, uh, I want what I want, when I want, with who I want it, as long as no one gets hurt. Now, you're familiar with that, right? And, and how do we know if, if it seems like this, the second we walk out the doors from a church body or from our home groups, we walk into this world that believes this, how do I know if it's not seeping in? How do I know if it's not getting into my life? Well, open your Bibles. We're going to, to Judges. In fact, if you start in Psalms and then turn right, if you go to Genesis, it's too far, but Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua. And then comes Judges. Right at the end of Judges is where we're going to be. Open your Bible to Judges 21. We're going to go from 19 to 21, but I'm going to read to you in a minute from there in chapter 21 of Judges. Now here's what you need to know. Uh, if, uh, I told this to the students. I, 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 uh, you don't need to know this. I guess I'm sharing this with you. Uh, the students here at Wellspring are about a month and a half headed. This same message uh, they've walked through about how to deal with that mindset. Why? Because it's, it's dripping everywhere. At least when I look out at this world, that's the philosophy I see people living <laughs> on. And so... Um, they, if you walk out and ask them today, they might be a little smarter than you, but you can catch up. I have faith in you. Um, but these are the things that we talk about in student ministry. Uh, to use a metaphor of a sport I know nothing about, we're going hard to the hole. Okay? We're not just taking soft layups. Uh, we go after it. And so we're going to do that this morning. That's part of the reason why I come down from the stage, because this isn't an easy, Judges 19 through 21 is not an easy topic. Um, but before we get into it, Father, you are good. And there are a lot of signals and a lot of things that I can say that might uh, confuse your word. Because I, it does seem a little heavy. But Father, I, I pray uh, you give hearts of understanding and, and, and give me the words to say that are, that are on the page that I've written, that they would be understood clearly and that, and that I wouldn't have a malice heart in sharing that we do this for your glory because we love you and because we want our lives to reflect who you are. We, we are uh, your humans. We are your creation. And uh, we dive into your word this morning, but to get a glimpse of how we can better worship you. I ask and pray for your blessing this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's catch up to where we are in the book of Judges. Um, so Judges is this, is, it covers about 330 years. So Joshua, the book just before, he brings the Israelites into the promised land, he gets them tucked into bed, and then he dies and goes off the scene, to which you're left with this period of 330 years of judges before King Saul comes on the scene. So what, they, what Israel was set up to be once they got in the land was a nation ruled by law. Now, if you, some of you uh, civics, maybe, maybe you're a civics professor or you're a, you're a civics teacher, you know that that's what the United States was set up to be. A nation ruled by law. We don't have a king, we're ruled by law. 
And so I think it's interesting uh, that we find out out of the book of Judges that there's some direct application that we can get that can help us worship our king. We're a land uh, ruled by law. They were a land ruled by law. We're not the first experiment in that. And um, they ran into what we run into, what we see, and that is uh, people abandoning God's law uh, because we don't, because they don't like being told what to do. Right? You get enough of this, I want what I want when I want it, but do I want it? And eventually you get this attitude of, well, you're not telling me what to do. And that's where they were, and, and we're going to uh, look at that this morning. Why don't you uh, read with me verse 23 in chapter 21. You don't have to read it out loud. You can just follow along. And the people of Benjamin, Benjamin, did so. They did so what? They had a command given to them by uh, by the rest of the Israelites to do something. Now we're going to get into that here in a minute about what they were told to do. And they took their wives according to their number from the dancers whom they carried off. I started with this verse just because it's a little spicy and I wanted you to be excited about what you're going to hear in church today. So they went and returned to their inheritance and the result and rebuilt the town and lived in them. And the people of Israel departed from there at that time, every man to his tribe and family. And they went out from there, every man to his inheritance. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. And that's a problem, isn't it? Everyone doing what's right in their own eyes. Isn't that what we have? Isn't that what we look out and see? And the danger is, if we're living in this kind of cesspool, how, how do we make sure that, that it's not seeping in? And what's one of the things that you'll hear, that you'll maybe see yourself say, is this little phrase right here. Things went a little too far, but no one got hurt. And if you've ever said that, things went a little too far, but no one got hurt. If you've said that, maybe it was just a cliche for you and there was no real danger. I mean, maybe you're a guy over 40 and you tried a diving board once. You've made this statement. Things went a little too far, but no one got hurt. But when you start using those phrases for spiritual things and for important things, then there's a danger. But the idea is it's out there in the culture. And when you say it, like just a warning bell go off. Because we're going to see it right here in this verse about what happens. So let me paraphrase for you what happens in Judges 19. So there's a Levite. Now, who are the Levites? The Levites are essentially the preachers of Israel. Right? That was their job, to be preachers. And it says... They had a concubine. Now, what's a concubine? Well, it's a little bit more serious than friends with benefits. But it, it, they're stealing it from the Canaanites because that's what they had. So you can have a wife, and then you can have this concubine. And this guy had a concubine. A preacher had a concubine. So here's the first rule. If you're a preacher, it's a concubine. That's the first, he's going off the deep end. Okay? That's the first thing to learn. But uh, it, it, gets, it, it, gets, it gets worse here. So he has a concubine. They have a lover's quarrel. I mean, you can imagine, right? Two women under the same house with the same guy. There's a fight. And, and um, she gets this. You know what? I'm mad. I'm fed up. I'm leaving. I don't know why a woman would put herself purposely in this fight. Like, at any point, in any part of the world, any, like, any epoch, like, why would a lady? She did. Uh, she just said, you know what? I'm leaving. So she leaves, and she goes where she's from, which is Bethlehem and Judah. So up here is Ephraim, where this Levite is, this preacher. In the middle is Benjamin. That's going to become an important part of the story in a little bit. And then south of there is where she's from in Judah. And she says, that's it. I'm out of here. I'm done. I'm fed up. 
So he says, well, fine, go. I don't want anything to do with you. Well, after four months, he kind of gets an itch. He says, you know what? I kind of want my old woman back. And, and um, so he makes the trip down through Benjamin, down to Benjamin Judah, and he meets his father-in-law, Texas father-in-law, but this is not really legal. This is something that the Israelites weren't supposed to do, that they stole from the Canaanites. So he gets down there, he meets this guy, and this guy, he's, he says, yeah, you can have her back, but what I really want is a drinking buddy. So, since you're here today, let's get, uh, we're going to have some drinks tonight. So they start drinking, uh, they get drunk, he wakes up the next morning, and, and if you've ever had that kind of lifestyle, you know there's a hangover if you drink enough. And so he's, he's hung over until about noon, and he can't leave. Guys, I'm not making this up. This is, you should read your Bibles. Okay. He's, he's hung over, and, and, and at, at noon or so, he says, you know what, I can't go home now, because I don't want to stop in Benjamin. Because Benjamin, they're a bunch of meanies, and I'm not going there. I want to wake up in the morning so I can just walk through there and get back to Ephraim, to my people. Well, that happens the first night. Well, because he woke up at noon, he said, well, I can't go tonight, so I'll stay another night. Well, his father-in-law does the same thing to him, so he gets drunk that night. And then he wakes up the next day with a hangover. This goes on for five days. And I don't know, getting, getting drunk, having a hangover, when I can't go home. And, and here's what you need to know, a Levite, um, if he's a preacher, he's going to feel the pressure of Sunday. Right? So at some point, he's got to prepare a sermon, and he's got to preach. He's like, i got to get home. Five days is enough. I am leaving. Noon, he says, you know what? Enough's enough. I'm going back. So he sets out, but it's too late, and he has to stop in this place called Benjamin. Now, here's what you know about Benjamin. They don't like outsiders. And uh, but the, the, the thing that you did in that time is they didn't have hotels. You would uh, you would just come. You would stay at like a, say the city well or or some central place in the city. You'd stay there, and then people from the surrounding community would see you, and they would say, "Hey, come over to my house, hospitality. You come over to my house. I'll put you up for the night." And and that's how they they did it back in that day. But no one was making eye contact with him. No one wanted him at their house. Except one guy who ended up being an outsider after he met him. I mean, he was a guy, he was from Ephraim, so they had the common lineage. They were both from Ephraim. He had been there long enough to make a living to have a house. And he says, hey, you know what? Why don't you come over to my house? So he gets over to his house, and, and they eat. Let me read this, this uh, verse here in chapter uh, 19, verse 21. It says, so he brought him into his house. He brought the Levite into his house and gave the donkeys feet. And they washed their feet and ate and Drank. Now, he's in the home, and I would submit to you that he does more than just a little bit of drinking. We're going to find out why. The decisions he makes in, in a little bit, in the next part of the chapter, he makes some horrible decisions. So I, I'm guessing it was no small amount of drink that he had. But so far, he would say of his life, I've gone a little too far, but no one's got hurt. So what's the big deal? Yeah, I'm doing what I want to do. What's the big deal? So, um, here, it had to be about a month ago, uh, my, my lovely wife found a, um, a video game for a week that I haven't played in years, and she found it at, um, at my in-laws' place. And so she brought it home and it sat there for a couple weeks, and I saw it, and um, so I put it in, I'm gonna try it on. It was me and the kids, I put it in. Well, um, I enjoyed it enough, but I had kids, and I said, you know what, we're just, we'll go jump in the pool. I'm not sure what we did, but I had a reason to put it away. But I thought, you know what, later that night, after everyone went to bed, I said, you know what, I kind of scratched some itch. I'm going to go play that game. And, and so I got it out, and I, I played it when the house was dark. I mean, it's like, like I'm stealing something, right? And the 
house is dark, it's just me in the video game. But here's the deal. I have four kids, and they wake up at Old Dark 30. And um, I might be able to stay up a little bit, but when I wake up the next morning, it's my day off, and my kids want their dad. And when, she doesn't just want a part-time husband that's kind of tired and won't do anything for her. Um, I gotta be a husband too. So it, it seemed right at the time, it seemed okay at, at the time, but sooner or later, I'm gonna have to pay. And I don't know what decisions um, you make, I don't know what things you're doing. You know, if you have a, a, a gambling habit, a, you know, watching things you shouldn't watch, and looking at pictures you shouldn't look at, spending spending money, spending the family's money that you shouldn't be spending, saying things on the IRS form you shouldn't be saying. But um, just because you aren't caught doesn't mean it's right. It doesn't mean it's okay. That's not a measure of truth. Well, no one got hurt. That's not the measure for what you should be doing. Because here's the deal, the people that live, uh, that live like that are only the super rich. The only ones that can ever get away with it are the ones in Hollywood that purport the idea. Uh, I want to do what I want, who I want, when I want. Like the only people that can do that are people that are super rich. Because sooner or later, you're going to need a lawyer. Right? You can't live like that and not have to get a lawyer because you end up in debt. Or you end up in such a relational mess that you can no longer live with him. Here's the other side of that story, that little phrase, as long as no one gets hurt. I don't know if you're aware of this. Maybe this is a newsflash to you, but you are someone. Did you know that? You are someone. And when you make decisions saying, this is what I want to do, when I want to do it, who I want to do it with, you are training yourself to think and act and be a certain way and to think about you and to say that you're self-important. And say that my feelings and my passions, those are the most important thing. And then you find yourself in someone's house you don't belong in, with a greater ability to think about yourself than you ever had before. And here's what you need to know about you. You're not a great savior of yourself. You don't save yourself well. There is only one good savior for you. And his name is Jesus Christ. But if we train ourselves, like this Levite did. Well, no one's getting hurt. I'm just going to keep going down this path. You're hurting yourself because you're teaching yourself how to think correctly about yourself. And then eventually, you're left with saving yourself, which is something you can't do. So, next little phrase. So, it's only, not, not, now the first little phrase, you've said it before, right? I went a little too far, but no one got hurt. Uh, that's a, that's, a, that's a, a marker of maybe, hey, I'm embracing this cultural idea. Um, here's the next one. Um, you ask the question, what would you do? Now, now to be fair, it's, it's not just that you ask the question, what would you do? It's how and when you ask the question that's super important, okay? Because as we're going to find out, it's so, I think it's good that you would say, maybe not in this passage we don't see it, but I think it's good to see, search out wisdom at certain points in your life. Right? When you have a hard decision to make, it's good to, to, to seek wisdom. But that's not what this question is getting at. Let's look, at, let me paraphrase for you real quick. Uh, verse 22 through 30. So this guy, who's been living the life of a beer commercial so far, right? 
His glass is always full. Uh, the girls are around him. He's always happy. Nothing goes wrong. He gets in a little trouble, but he's always out of it. That's how he's been. But now, he finds himself in Benjamin. Now, here's what you need to understand. Um, around the world, the biggest thing is not race. We make a big deal about race in this country, but that by far, worldwide, that's just a United States phenomenon. The biggest thing in the world is tribe. Like, people hate each other because of their tribe, not the color of their skin. That's just us Americans who invented to hate because of the color of their skin. Typically, it's tribe. Why do I say that? Because this guy is a Levite who is from Ephraim, and he's in Benjamin. He is the only black guy at a KKK meeting. He's hated. And not only that, but the people there saw him, saw who he left with. Right? So the, the guys at the local pub, they were over there and they said, you know, I saw who you went home with and we don't like outsiders, so we know where he lives. And they, you know, a little bit later, by the time this Levite has had enough to drink and now the guys at the pub have had enough to drink, they get up their, they get up their gusto, let's go make him unwelcome so he won't come. And, and so they march out to his house, they surround his house and they say, send him out. Send him out so that we can have our way with him. Now, you have to understand this is a Canaanite idea. This is not about gratification. This is what the Canaanites would do, and they learned it from them. Uh, this was all about them humiliating the guy, making him just, you won't want to come back because we're laughing at you, we're humiliating you. So they ask him about it, but then they, um, the host says, I can't let you do that to my guest. Like, that, that wouldn't be right. So uh, let me send you out my virgin daughter. And this is where everyone here says that's sick. Go ahead. That's sick. It is, isn't it? He decides, like, you know what? I'm just my virgin, here's my virgin daughter. But now, now the good thing is the Levite, the Levite, he, he has, I can't let you do that. Listen, I am here because of this concubine. I wouldn't be here if it weren't for her. Her dad, her dad got me drunk five days in a row, and I had a, and, and so it's her fault anyway, so let's just send her out there. What they do then, eventually they come to some kind of hospitality agreement saying, okay, let's agree to send her out there. So they send her out there. The next morning as the sun rises, he walks outside with his cup of coffee and he kicks something on the doorstep. It's her. And he looks down at her and he says, um, get up. But uh, she doesn't move. Well, he finds out, he finds out that um, She might have deserved it, but this isn't right. And so by the time he gets home, he says, you know what? I am going to write all the congressmen in Israel. We're going to have to, I, I am upset enough, I'm going to write it. And so he decides to send letters. But he can't just send a letter to congressmen. I don't know if you feel like you write one letter to a congressman, I get the sense that that's not always read with the most, I'm going to change this, right? So uh, he's not just going to send one letter. His idea is, I'm going to take my concubine and, and chop her up in 12 pieces and send a piece with each letter. Because I'm going to get their attention. And so that's what he does. He, he chops his concubine up and he gets them all together. And then Judges 19:30, they're all together. And he says, and all who saw it, all, now I'm sure he presents his case to these people. I'm sure he didn't, I'm sure he shared all the gory details, all the mistakes he made to get here. I'm sure he did, right? He didn't color coat that, hey, this is, I point, he had to color himself as a victim. All right, so he says this, verse 30. And 
all who saw it said, Such a thing has never happened or been, or been seen from the day that the people of Israel came up out of the land of Egypt until this day. It's never been so bad. Don't we, don't have someone in here, have you, have an eye said that? It's never been so bad. It's getting worse. And that's what they said. It's getting worse and worse. And then, and then here it is. Here's the question. Consider it. Take counsel and speak. What would you do? What would you do in this situation? You see, this, this is like your friend who asks you if they should date a certain person. They're not really asking for your opinion that they're going to follow. They've already decided what they're going to do. You're just a formality. This guy already knows what's going to happen. He's searching for vigilante justice. He wants what's right in his eye, and he's going to set it right. He's not really looking for an answer. He's already stuck his finger in the political wind, and he knows how the vote is coming. I was getting out of, the ministry, of a ministry in Minnesota, and I went to my pastor at the time, and I asked him, you know, what should I do? Here's my situation. And he, he shared with me what I should do. He said, you know, you should, uh, you know, I would suggest that you, uh, you know, stop working full-time for the ministry and, and get a full-time job. And look, here's an interview I have set up for you, and you can go in there and do it. And so I went in there and did that. But here's what I'm telling you. I think I remember vividly um, where I was. I mean, I can take you right now to Minneapolis, Minnesota, just north of downtown Minneapolis. I could take you in the office building, right? I could sit you down in front of the guy uh, who I took the interview with. And I think the reason I remember it so vividly because, yeah, I asked my pastor, what would you do? But I wasn't really interested in listening to him. So I wasn't really interested in this job interview because I wanted what I want, when I want, who I want, and no one was gonna get hurt anyway if I quit and didn't listen. So what I did is, you know what, I have other friends. I'll just go and ask them. I'll just go and see what they want me to do. Because you and I both know we can find someone that agrees with us, can't we? But what you should do isn't, isn't decided by an election. Right? Letting, letting the majority vote is, is not always the truth. But here's the deal. We're going to ask the question, aren't we? Because there's wisdom in it. You know, what would you do? There's wisdom in that. So uh, let me try to set you up for some success. This isn't an attack. This is just kind of me sharing with you if you were to come to me and ask for advice. I know that maybe in the last week there are 5% of the things that you decided to do that I could find a verse for and say, thus saith the Lord. That's the case for me. About 5% of the things that I decided I'm going to do this or do this, there was, a, there was a verse for it. Meaning, I decided to get up at 6 a.m. this morning. With Judges 2, where is that verse? It wasn't in there. It was simply a decision I made because I want to worship my God and be, be responsible. I have to have a message ready and, and I want to get prepared. There's no verse for that. It was simply a decision I made. That comes out of the 95%, right? 95% of the decisions you and I make during the week, there's really, there's no verse for it. There's no 100%, this is what you have to do. Right? There are other ones. Like after I woke up, I, I walked in and I had to decide which toothbrush to use, mine or my wife's. There is a verse for that, right? <laughs> Live with your wife in an understanding way. But here's what that means. You come to me for advice. You come to anyone for advice and you ask them the question, what would you do? 5% of the time, they can speak with authority. And that means if you come, even come to me, and maybe you're thinking, well, 
maybe we should just let you go. Eric, you have no good advice. Well, guys, I think this, I think this is the reality. That there just isn't a thus say of the Lord for that. There's wisdom, but they're limited. Our counsels are limited. So just keep that in mind as you, as you ask. What should I do? And, and look, when you ask the question, look, look for wisdom. Don't look to hear what your itching ears want to hear. Look for wisdom. Right? So everyone put your hands up. Everyone, this is, I vote, if I ask for one person to raise their hand, like, no one raises their hand. So everyone's going to have your hand. You're going to give me the answer about how you lower your hand, all right? So, all right, do you want someone, if you go and ask the question, what should I do? Do you want someone to tell you what you want to hear? There's your opportunity to put it down. Or would you rather hear what you need to hear? Now everyone can put their hands down. Now here's the deal. That means that this week, if I have something to share with you, you're going to hear it. Because you just said, you want to hear not what I want to hear, but what I need to hear. All right? And if I have something, some word from God, I get to step into you this week. Are you excited about that? No. Here, here, here's the idea, guys. Look for wisdom. And not just what you want to hear. Because that is super dangerous. That puts you on that path towards getting what you want when you want it. So the next one is the next, the next thought that comes to you, if you've embraced this culture at all, uh, is uh, that was way too far. There comes a point when, when Christians can say about the decisions they made, about the things they did, that was, that was way, way too far. Uh, that's uh, what happens with the Israelites. Uh, chapter 20, 400,000 of them got together. They said, let's wage war. We're going we're gonna to end this thing. And we're going to surround the city and ask them to send out the guilty men. And so that's what they do. But the Benjaminites, they're like, well, you don't get to, you don't get to discipline our children. Those are our children. If you were a parent and you had a child and someone else walked up to you on the street and said, let us discipline your child, you'd say no. And that's exactly what the Benjaminites do. And so uh, they said, you're not going to, they, they didn't army up. Now there's 400,000 of them. And, and here's the thing. Even though it's just one tribe against, against 11, uh, they actually win the first day's battle. And, and so then the, they're not going to go away because the, the 11 tribes, they know they're right. I mean, they know that what they did was wrong, that what the Benjaminites did was wrong, and they're not giving up their guys, so they're going to come back at them again the next day. They come back at them again the next day, and guess what? They lose again. Now they're really angry. Now when they win, they not only, they, they do win, by the way. On the third day, they win that battle, and they just go on a march. And they burn, and they wreck everything. Look at the end of chapter 20. Verse 48, and the men of Israel turned back against the people of Benjamin and struck them with the edge of the sword, the city, men and beasts, and all that they found. And all the towns that they found, they set fire on. They were committing genocide because they were angry. We're going to end this thing, and we're going to get even for every scratch, every thought that you've ever had against us. But they know, at the end, that they went way too far. Look at verse 2 of chapter 21. And the people came to Bethel and sat there till evening before God and they lifted up their voices and wept bitterly. They knew they went way too far. Now here's the deal this morning with you and I. I can't tell if you're going way too far. I can't tell if you're spending way too much time on the internet. I can't tell if you're spending way too much time on the golf course. I can't tell if, if you're watching way too much football, if you're going to way too many garage sales, right? Or that are wrecking you. I can't tell. 
That's between you and the Lord. But you know you've reached a point at some time when you said that was way too far. And that's because we've embraced this idea. I want what I want, when I want, with who I want, as long as no one gets hurt. But here's the deal, eventually, like in this situation, people get hurt. You need the lawyer. Right? Laws, laws are changed. Promises are broken. Relationships are left as, as desolate as the Benjamite country or countryside. Just black, charred. Because you did what you want, when you want. Because you went way too far. Here's the good news about that, church. You're here this morning. So that means you're within God's reach. And though these people went too far, went way too far, and they set an example, you have not gone too far. This country has not gone too far. Because we have a great Savior. Next one. And this is a little more dangerous. You get to the point, or you've said, or you've seen, or maybe you don't even know. That's what becomes so hard about this. Nothing is right. You do what's right in your eye for so long, and nothing is right. And sometimes you don't even know it. Tell you the story here, chapter 21. So uh, they um, are feeling bad, and uh, verse 3 of chapter 21, and they said, Oh Lord, the God of Israel, why has this happened in Israel? First of all, they're not really going before God, right? they're just showing up for church. Right? These people could be sitting next to you in church, right? Because they're crying out to God, Oh, we're Christians, oh, we're God's people. Why has this happened in Israel? that today there should be one tribe lacking in Israel. Why did we commit genocide? Why did, why did, I, why did I lose another spouse? It's God's fault that, 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 that I can't keep a wife. It's, it's God's fault that I can't keep good friends. I, I, guys, they ask, this, they ask this in honesty. I'm sure that God was itching to tell them. I mean, God has some explanations. Don't you even as you would look at that. Like, why are you asking why? I can tell you why just about wiped out a tribe. You've been doing what you want with who you want, when you want, for so long you just did what was right. And that was right to you. And you drop into the story anywhere in the story, and that's what everyone's doing. What's right? Oh, this is what I think is right. Oh, this is what I think is right. And they finally felt so bad, all the Israelites, they said, well, we wiped out all the Benjaminites, so, so let's fix this. Um, let's, let's, let's decide that we're going to do what's right. Let's decide that we're going to help them. Uh, first problem is, before this battle ever started, we promised that we wouldn't give anyone, if there were any survivors in Benjamin, that we wouldn't give them any of our daughters for their wife. And it just so happened that 600 Benjaminites actually did escape. So not a complete genocide, just a mostly genocide. And, and, but we can't give them our daughters, but we don't want them to be wiped out completely off the face of the earth, so let's get them some daughters. I know there was this one little tribe called Jabesh Gilead. And they, they weren't up for what we were doing. We said, let's wipe them off the map. And they said, I'm not going to be a part of it. So because they stood up for righteousness, why don't you go over there and kill all their wives, all their wives, all the men, and just take their virgins, and you guys, you 600 Benjamites can have a, have a spouse now. It's almost as sick as the first idea. But that was their plan. Well, they did that, and, and they, but they only got 400 wives. Well, we can't have 200 bachelors. So let's go over to the local apple days at this at this city next door, and we'll just steal all their all the ladies that go out in the field, all the virgins that go out in the field. You just go and steal them, and then those last two hundred guys will have wives, and and the and the, and the Benjaminites will, will succeed. They'll, they they won't be wiped off the map. Nothing they did was right. 
Nothing they did was right. It is every decision they made is just more wrong. Right? Like the like like, like the guy in the uh, World War II uh, show that I saw, he's driving the bulldozer, pushing in the mass grave. Like, I don't know what got him there. I don't know if he was feeling bad to kind of help cover things up, but there's nothing he did was right at that point. Nothing. Like they could have made a good decision. It just wasn't right. So is it possible that some of you or one of you or two of you this morning are weapons of great plutonium to relationships? And you're sitting here this morning and you don't know it? The answer is yes. It's possible. They didn't know they were doing wrong. They thought they were going they thought they were doing right. Why, why, why did I, why did I get pulled over? Uh, um, why, why? Because you were speeding. That's no one's fault. But, but it's not my fault, God. And, and so here's what's going on in the book of Judges. And God just ends it right there. You see it? Chapter uh, 21. This is what it says right at the end. So we, we, we see that why. We see all the pain. We see all the destruction. We see all the disobedience. And then it says, verse 25, In those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Here's what's been going on in the book of Judges. We have the idea of Judges, so but where do those Judges come in? So it's uh, disobedience, destruction, and then deliverance. You see that cycle? Disobedience, destruction, and then deliverance. Who's a deliverer? Well, sometimes it's Samson, sometimes it's Jephthah. There's all these different judges in the book of Judges that come down and deliver them. But what's, what happens here at the end, and it starts even before chapter 19, is all we see is destruction and disobedience. Destruction <coughs> and disobedience. Disobedience and destruction. And then God just ends it. And here's the point of the whole book. If you're walking away from God, the bridge between you and God, you're walking away and you're kicking out every plank behind you. There comes a point when he won't cross that path. When he just says, fine, you can do what's right in your eyes. But here's the good news this morning, church. Here it is. So there is hope. If his spirit is stirring in you, I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt that God wants to deliver you. That he loves you. That he wants to give you good gifts. That he wants to blow you away with all the blessings he wants to heap on you. That he wants to give you more joy than you thought possible. That he wants to help you worship in a better way than you ever thought possible. That he wants to show you his goodness in ways that, you, that no one else can see. He wants to show you hidden and secret things that only you will see that will be between you and him. Because he loves you that much. If all will do is bend the knee and say, forgive me. That's the answer for not just morning with this whole world. So we can't lose hope for our country, right? So we can't lose hope for you or for your friend. Let's pray. Father, you are exceptionally good to us. Thank you for the story and your word. I pray that um, we not only see this as a warning, but that, that I see it as a way to reflect my own heart and, and the struggle that, that I need to watch out for in places where I slip.